1: Welcome back to another one of our Spotify Greenroom Q&A sessions right here on the Spotify Room app. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online with me as our three-person panel for the, this Q&A session. As always, let's start with, uh, I, I'm always trying to forget your uh, your official title at of Pride of Detroit. It's now managing editor, I believe, over at Pride of Detroit. It's Eric Schlitt with a K. Eric <laughs> Schlitt on, on Twitter. Eric, how are we doing, buddy? Hey buddy, good morning.
2: It's a nice uh, snowy April here in Michigan. Is it up there snowing? Oh well, it snowed overnight, and Did it, there's really? still yeah, there's still some snow on the ground. It's, mm. I mean, it's it's nothing that's going to stick, but it's 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 present.
1: Yes, it's it's just a a reminder that that weather April weather is still capable of snowing here. Uh, our our third person as part of the panel, uh, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, co-host. Of first bite and uh, the POD cast. Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter.
3: It's uh, it's snowing right now in Grand Blank. <laughs> is, <laughs> is it really? There yeah, that's go. uh, it's a live weather update, folks. Oh, Back geez. to you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's not waste any time um
1: at, at all, uh, and let's just start bringing in some of our our live calls. We've got a ton. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get to anyone, but I'm just going to go in the order to I see them. So. To anybody. No, we're just, I mean, you know how we are. We do talk a lot, so I'm not sure we're going to get to anybody. But, and this is not me playing favorites. It's literally the person at the top of my list. Let's start
3: with Jeremy. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Okay. So, calling from the Rockies. I don't listen to much, or I don't watch college football much, and I'm discovering some new players, of course, every draft season. What can you guys tell me about Cameron Thomas from San Diego State? I hear that San Diego State puts out a lot of uh, Dan Campbell-like players, and he might even be better than Trayvon Walker.
1: All right, getting right into a very specific prospect, uh, and you know who I'm going to throw it to first here, uh, Eric. What, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, okay. I like Cameron uh, Thomas, all well and good. I, I don't think he's better than Trayvon Walker. Um, I, I don't. I'm not even particularly thinking it's that close, to be honest. But um, yeah, Thomas is a similar uh, style, right? Now he mm-hmm. was a defensive tackle first, and then he was very dominant. I mean, like when you're playing in, in San Diego States league, right? You're, you're playing against a lower, just a sl- you know lower level of competition, but he was a very much a man amongst boys, and he was a very dominant defensive tackle. And but at at 270 pounds, I think he came, was 267 at the combine, but at like 270 pounds, he recognized the fact that he was a NFL level player that wasn't playing at what would be his NFL position, right? So what they did was they actually moved him from like. Uh, I think it was like a he was like a nose tackle, one technique, three technique type hybrid guy. And they moved him out to defensive end where he could showcase a little bit more, um, you know, of his NFL skills. So he'd be a little bit more marketable. And and I think it worked out well. Like he he's a good athlete. um He's he, I don't know if he can hold the weight to like play inside at the nfl necessarily but then again on the outside he is your power style defensive end so he's not going to be that bender that everybody is in love with but he's going to be a very sound uh like strong side defensive end type of player who can uh set the edge still rush the passer he's got a lot of power to his game and so there's a lot to like if you're if you like the the Trayvon Walker style of player well you're gonna like Cameron Thomas the the difference is you're gonna get ta- Cameron Thomas in the third round as opposed to you know spending a top five pick on him so that's that's the big difference for me a lot of stylistic similarities um decent length i mean it's it's a little about average for length but he's got you know really good agility and like i said the power the power is definitely
3: you kind of answered my follow-up question eric just because i was wondering like what kind of tier cameron thomas belongs to you said third round so yeah he's like admittedly probably like just a tier below the guys like boy mafe and uh drake jackson some of those guys um yeah
2: i have him right next to drake jackson um and like your uh ingabare from southern right uh, from uh, south carolina okay. um even josh Pascal, which we talked about last week is kind of in that same tier for me um but he's not going to be in the mafe ajabo type of uh range for me no
1: it's interesting because at least with the trevon walker comparison there is the, the one the one difference in in cameron thomas's favor is production right like yeah, eleven, eleven and a half sacks last year, twenty point five tackles for loss, and that's the big question with Trevon Walker is whether he can kind of translate all of the athletic skills to production on the edge, which is still a position that's fairly new to him, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, he's only like he transitioned during the pandemic year, which was a shortened right. season as it was anyways, so he's really only had one full season as a, uh, defensive end. Uh, he spent a lot, like I said, a lot of time in that, uh, in that D tackle, right in that D tackle role. He's, um, familiar with, uh, three man fronts. He's familiar with four man fronts. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot to like about his game, but like a lot of these guys, um, that have this style of play, they're a, they can they can do a whole bunch of things, but they're not like a, a super supreme master at really like any one of them. Right. But they're going to be so versatile that um, it's going to be appealing to teams that are looking for that type of role. All
1: right. Let's uh, bring in our, our next uh, question person caller. I think I can call him Noah is, is next. Noah, how you doing?
4: Noah, good. How are you guys doing this morning? Great. Thanks for calling in. Thank you for having me. Yeah, One thing I just wanted to, to touch on here this morning, uh, it looked like the other day Jeff Risden came out with a report saying that the Lions more than likely aren't going to be touching linebacker in the first three rounds. Um, that's something I've been doing a lot of mock drafts lately, and really after the third, it doesn't look like there's anybody there. So First part of the question, what do you guys think about the Lions trusting their linebacking core this season? And I know you guys touched on you can't fix every problem this year in your last green room last week. But what do you guys think about not addressing the linebacking core this offseason in the draft? And also, if they do look at somebody after the third round who is going to be there in that range? Because when I'm doing those mocks, like I said, there's nobody that really jumps out to me as a guy that could really be a game changer this year.
1: I, I am so glad you asked this question, Noah, because this is something we've been literally talking about all week in our Slack room. So I just uh, read your guys'
4: mind. I figured I needed to bring up some good talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm going to give this one to Ryan first. Cause uh, I know he's, he's got some feelings on this one too. So no, no linebacker in the first three rounds? Question
3: mark? Question mark? Maybe? I don't know. Like, I, I think that you need to take stock of the position as a whole moving forward, right, Jeremy? And, and that, that's what I want you to get into. I know you want to throw it to me, but I, I want you to kind of throw up your point about like, the Lions can look around that linebacker room and who's really here long term? Yeah. I mean that's that's the main thing, right? And
1: it's why I'm I'm skeptical of, of this report just in general. Not not trying to throw shade on, on Jeff or anything. Like it, I'm, I don't believe he's making things up. But to me, if there is a a front office that has decided ahead of time at this point they're not going to draft a linebacker in the first three rounds when they only literally have one signed beyond 2022, and the draft hasn't happened yet. That you know they don't know who's going where. They've already decided no linebacker in the first three rounds and have the incompetency to leak that to the media. Like if all of that is true, then we should have some serious concerns about this front office. Uh, so I am going to choose to instead believe that that's not true because it would, it would be, I, I mean, and like you said, like I think the value in linebacker is, is early in this draft and, and, you know the 32, 34 area, even maybe at 66. So if they are taking all of that completely off the board, I think they are not doing the Lions a, a fair share. They're 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 not they're not running the front office competently. It's really the the easiest way for me to say it because linebacker is a long term need, and you are drafting for long term. So I'm not saying they will draft a linebacker in those things like like you said. You know, a lot of needs one could get passed over, but if if they're not even considering it, that's a huge issue
3: my favorite name uh and and i know i want to let eric get to the the second part of noah's question about like hey if the lions really aren't looking at a linebacker in those first three rounds who are the kind of guys that they can look after that one of my favorite guys you know watching watching some film and and just reading about him is lsu's uh damon clark like i i think that he's a he's a phenomenal prospect but you know the news came out of him having a herniated disc and the fact that he was able to put up the athletic testing numbers with that um and him needing surgery eric do you think maybe that's a player that might slip down boards and and might be available past that third round
2: yeah i I certainly do and um clark was my fourth linebacker i believe going in before his injury right and so um I do think he's going to drop into day three. Like Clark's a guy that I would have taken at 34 and not blinked. Like I like, I like the type of player he is. Um, he is a highly intelligent player. And what happens often with your highly intelligent players is sometimes they can get caught overthinking things. Um, Jeff Akuda was guilty of that as a as a rookie where he he's so intelligent hes he almost overthought what he needed to do and it would cause delays in his reaction time uh Clark, you saw the same thing during his like sophomore or junior years uh and then he stopped overthinking and just started reacting as a senior and, and it was like the light bulb went on and he really i think showed out um athletic you know, for days. He's he's a excellent tester, tested way high in his RAS. Um the the back surgery is he's supposed to be able to recover from fully. And uh but I do think when you're talking about a guy who's probably gonna miss the year, that's gonna likely drop him into day three. But he's a guy who could be there like very long term. And so yeah, I, I like Clark quite a bit. You can get him on day three. He's a guy that I wouldn't hesitate trading up into round four to try and go get him because I think he's that good of a player uh, long-term. So, um, yeah, look, if, if you look at the this linebacker class, you've got a, a very clear one-two in Devin Lloyd and Kobe Dean, and those guys are both – potential first rounders. And and it sure seems like Dean's going to, or Lloyd's going to go. Dean is, there's a bit of a question mark because of his size. I don't think that's an issue for, for the lions. They want fast guys. And so I think he would fit what they're looking for. Uh, And then after that, you've got a handful of guys who are going to be like day two. There's probably another five guys like Quay Walker, Christian Harris, uh, Chad Muma, uh, Tyndale, the other Georgia, the third Georgia linebacker, uh, Leo Chanel, those guys are going to go on, on day two, and then after that, like if you're now looking into like the the fourth round or you know maybe in fifth round, you're talking about guys that are more specialists. So yeah, if you're looking for a guy who can come in and start, you're going to have to draft them in the first hundred picks. You're going to have to use one of your top five draft picks to get them. And that, but if you're looking for more of a specialist, you could get a, a uh, Brian Asamoah who was just who's coming into the allen park for a top 30 visit uh he's a little bit smaller uh he's even smaller than uh weight wise than dean but he is he's uh fast he's got a lot of uh good off the ball skills and so i think he's a he's an interesting person to put a you know asterisk by uh troy anderson is a guy that everyone loves he might end up going in the third round actually um but because he's a little bit bigger uh and fast so yeah there's when you get into day three, you're looking at more specialists and I'm with you guys. I I think that linebacker is a long-term need and they need to uh, find a guy who's going to be capable of starting. Like, I don't think you can wait till the fifth round to take a linebacker. I mean, look at last year, they, they took Derek Barnes in the fourth and it, Took him all year just to kind of like get his, get acclimated. Well, that's, that's the type of player you're getting, is you're getting a guy who's not quite ready if you're waiting until day three. I, I don't think they can afford to do that. Um, to, just to add some more context to what Jeremy was saying, um, if you look at the 2023 roster, they've got, um, they've got a quarterback, they've got uh, two or three running backs, they've got all starting five of their offensive line, they've got four receivers, a couple of tight ends, all under contract. Uh, three edge rushers, five defensive tackles, four corners, one linebacker, and one safety. And so, if you look at like how they've added people in free agency, they have not addressed linebacker or free or safety long term, and that just screams you're going to use a high draft pick uh, at those positions. Uh, so I am definitely not taking it off the board, and uh, I would even call it a priority yeah
1: all right appreciate the question noah uh let's get into our next caller i realize we've been taking these from the wrong order so going from the bottom up here daniel you are next um daniel J. I should say daniel there
5: i'm here guys how you doing daniel i'm doing great i'm glad to be with you so i want to go to football school with eric so i'm thinking back when i was a wee little and i'm uh, a young lions fan the lions had a player named terry Barr, and he played a position called flanker back and uh on the other side of the offensive line they had something called a split end and uh they'd never heard of a slot receiver back then um and now we have x y's and z's so I just would like to get a little bit of a breakdown. And, you know, I don't completely understand what those mean. And maybe you could tie that into who the lions have on the roster now and, and uh, what they need.
1: I love it. I love it. I feel like this is a, this is a really good question that, that I think some analysts maybe take for granted that the, that the audience knows. So yeah, Eric, you want to, you want to get into the the subtle differences between the, the three positions?
2: Yeah your your ex is a guy who is typically a bigger body um uh typically a good athlete who has a you know can fit into your more traditional wide receiver one type categories so you're thinking like Calvin Johnson, Kenny Galladay, right? That type of like six foot three, six foot four type of guy. That's typically what you find at, at the X. And then the Y is your slot guy. So often tight ends will be Ys or wide receivers will be Ys. And it just depends what you're looking for. But it essentially refers to like a slot position. So you can have big slots. You can have you know, your quick gadget slots. You can just... It, the, the opportunity options are endless in, in today's NFL. And then your Z is a guy who's again, a little who, who can be an athlete, but it's more of like your field stretcher. Think like Marvin Jones, right? Marvin Jones is that type of guy who, you know, he's uh, was a reliable veteran. He's, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he could, he had a way to go deep. He was a good contested catch player. And he was often a guy who would keep defenses honest and open up areas for other parts of the field. So that's your basic like xyz type of mentality. So when you're looking at like the Lions roster, Chark is the guy who's right now kind of slotted for that X cuz he's a he's a bigger receiver who can who has traits that you often see in a wide receiver one. But Chark's his best spot might actually be at the at the Z where he because he's such a really good field stretcher. But again, what we are seeing now, especially at the college level and now that these college you know these college offenses are so spread oriented and they move these players around so much is that you're you're starting to see receivers that come into the NFL that don't just play one spot or aren't just like, can't just be like one big type of player. They have all this positional versatility. And so like Chark's a great example of a guy who's probably going to be the X, but in a different offense, he could be the Z as well. Amon Ross St. Brown is probably your Y, but he can play the Z as well because he's a really good, he does a really good job of occupying uh, defenders, right? So they can do a lot of different things. But if I'm going to set this offense up, I'm going to say Chark's the X, st brown is the y and josh reynolds is the z the more the field stretcher type of guy and then what do they need well long term you need an x they had a hard time with it last year Khalif raymond was the x and it wasn't suited (laughs) to him right Mm -hmm. i mean he's, he's he was just too small he wasn't he wasn't this like big dominating receiver but he was the best receiver they had at the time and so that's typically uh that's what they had to go with, right? Um, Cephas is a guy who can contend, I think, for the X, but he's a little undersized. I think he can, but he can also live with the Y because he's he can be that big slot guy, similar to um, Bolden. Um, yeah, Anquan Bolden. Thank you very much. So, yeah, yeah, I guess the bottom line here is that none of these guys you can't always push them in to to a certain spot because there's going to be times when Amon Ra pushes to the Z, Cephas comes in to start, and Char, uh, you know, maybe Charco comes inside to the slot. Like you're gonna see all kinds of varieties in, in, but those are the that's the basics when it comes to this roster.
5: So just a quick follow-up, this whole business of the flanker back <clears throat> flanker back, <clears throat> where you're technically a running back, does that even come into play or is that could that just be could that be anybody?
2: You'd have to have a guy who has the right skill set, right? Like Saint Brown has that skill set. Like that—that's why we saw him line up in the, in the backfield um, last year, right? Now that in order, Golden Tate could could be that type of guy in this year's uh, draft class. Uh, you could, you know, I don't know if Traylon Burks can necessarily do it because he might be a little bit too big, but he has those. Um, he has the 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 running style or the or the athleticism like the, to kind of fit that role. Calvin um, Austin, um, Calvin Austin, um, Valuse Jones from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. These are all these are like day three guys. Uh Wendell Robinson. You could probably argue that he could he could do that coming out of the backfield as well. Um, the the trick is is you're looking for slot like receivers who are a, a little bit bigger who can also like take a hit right like with um with like valuse jones he's under six feet but he's like 204 pounds so he's he's a kind of quick fast slot guy but he's also big enough where if he gets hit he's not going to break in half right And, and and so that's what you have to be careful of with with guys that kind of fit into this position um but yeah i mean there's a couple of guys like that that fit in there um Dontario Drummond is another one. The kid, He's from Mississippi. He's a little bit bigger, but he's got those golden tape-like, uh, you know, skills. So, yeah, it, I don't think it's gone I, I, by any means, but it's, it's, it's just changed. Like Debo Samuel. Look, I mean, look at, look at San Francisco. Yeah, that's right? what I was going to say. Yeah.
3: Like that, that's the unicorn that everybody's chasing, right? Like there's a yeah. lot of people who say, like, oh, let's go get our Debo Samuel. But like you said, Eric, they need to be a little bit bigger. They need to invite contact. They need to go through contact, and that's what Debo Samuel does yeah. so well.
2: Yeah, and that's what, like, Traylon Burks, I I think he could fit this role because he's 225, you know what I mean? Like, he's a big boy. Another guy who's come in for a top 30 visit, and they spent some time with at the Combine as well. So if Burks slides to the end of the the first round and he's there at, like, 32, 34, geez, he'd be awesome.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, thank you for the question, Daniel. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be answering more of your Lions questions right here on the Spotify Green Room app. Stick with us.
0: And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
6: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team.
1: And we are back here on the Spotify Green Room app, answering your Lions questions every Saturday morning up into the draft, uh, and then probably a little bit after the draft. We'll see how it plays out. 10:30 uh, a.m. Eastern, if you want to join us here. Follow Jeremy Reisman at Pride of Detroit if you want to be a part of these. Uh, let's jump right back into the calls. We've got John waiting. John J. John J. Are you there?
7: Can you hear me now? How's it going, man? Pushing the wrong buttons. <laughs> All good. I- it's hard to come after that news, but um, my question is, I'm a big uh, Malik Willis fan, and uh, just watching uh, the talk shows on TV, they're comparing him to uh, Steve McNair, uh, a right handed version of Michael Vick. And I know he has this, he has to learn curve, but he has all those intangibles. But my question is this uh, for a gut reaction if if you go through a draft and um, the Michigan player goes first, you get your best defensive player. But then at pick number five, uh, Minnesota Vikings jump up and take uh, Malik Willis. What is the gut reaction for you guys and uh, Lions fans?
1: Oh, man. Uh, Malik Willis trained to come in hard. You can literally hear it coming there in the background. Uh, I mean, I feel like the, the answer has to be it's almost the exact kind of same reaction we had when when the Bears took a quarterback last year, right? Like, it's a, it same like... Who the Lions could have taken that guy, and now we went to a rival. And if he succeeds, it's the kind of thing that's going to stick in our craw for years to come, right? I mean, I got to throw this to Ryan. Like, what the Vikings come up and grab uh, Malik Willis? What what are you doing? What's your next move?
3: Uh, my therapist name is Becca. Um, I'd probably <laughs> give her a call. No, like legitimately though, like I, I think I. I agree with the comparison, Jeremy. Like you think back to last year and when the bears moved up to get Justin Fields, a lot of lions fans were interested in Justin Fields. I think more so than I think people are interested in Malik Willis this year. So if the Vikings were to spend draft capital, however much they would have to spend in order to move up to that spot and take Malik Willis, I would honestly be a little less, I'd be a little less frightened and I know I'm a huge Malik Willis fan, but he also has the biggest boomer bust potential out of any of the quarterbacks in the class. So I think if the Vikings are willing to spend whatever draft capital to move up and get that guy, I, I think that there would be a little less of a reaction. I guess it also depends on who the Lions take it to though. Right. True. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think last year it was all oh, the Lions got an offensive tackle. They potentially got like a generational one in Panay Sewell. That's great, but there are oftentimes a lot of offensive tackles that are available, and we all know that the you know quarterback position is such a valuable one. So I, I just think that Justin Fields was a little bit pro more pro ready. Uh, you know, I, I think he got the short end of the stick in the draft class that he was in. I think he still has all the potential in the world to to be the Bears quarterback, but. I think I'd be slightly less bummed, and that might be that might be to your surprise <laughs> I will admit it is a little bit uh Eric, I know you you haven't quite
1: been on the Malik Wills train, but the Vikings come up and get him are you Are you shaking your boots a little bit?
2: No, not really because um what I've said this before if Brad Holmes takes Malik in Malik bus. It's that's a worse scenario than if he passes and Malik Malik succeeds, even if it's with the Vikings. Um, it, it If he isn't willing to gamble on the quarterback, then you have to just be able to just let it go. Um, look, I mean, Minnesota's quarterback situation is a disaster, right? I mean, like, I'm, I don't mean Kirk Cousins is a bad player. I mean, his contract is he has 80 million guaranteed and he signed through two years. You know what I mean? Like he is just hamstringing them with the, with his guaranteed money. And so, um, yeah, Malik wouldn't start for two years. And if he did, you'd be putting a $40 million quarterback on the bench. Right. So, um, who still has twelve million due in twenty twenty four even when he's not on the roster. But regardless, <laughs> um, yeah, I, it would be it, how they handle the quarterback situation would be very interesting to me. And even if it's not Malik, even if it's just anybody, it, when they decide to move on from Cousins and how they do that and when they take their quarterback it, it is a, is a, going to be a fascinating storyline to watch uh, in the division.
1: All right, thanks for the question, John. Uh, let's move on to Dan. Dan P, our good friend Dan. How are we doing, Dan?
8: Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, how, how you guys doing? Great, great. Well, I think I, I think I, I had a, a an either or question, but I think and and obviously I'm oh, sorry, I was reaching. I was I'm in my kitchen oh, my <laughs> with everything that, that's, that just that just happened and sending love to the family. Uh, my question is this way. Um, I don't mean to be like, I heard something on Mina Kimes uh, where she talked about Detroit kind of not having any holes, and she was sort of, I think, surprised by that. And she also sort of mentioned that the Rams maybe had a subpar draft last year. And so I'm just curious if you feel that maybe Brad, you know, was an asset. And then the second question is... If Malik Willis is a chicken pe- chicken pita finger, what would what would Kevon be for you, uh, Jeremy, and what would Trayvon
1: be for you, Eric? <laughs> okay, there's Thanks. a lot going on with that one. I think it is. Um, okay, yeah. So <laughs> to the uninitiated, uh, Ryan has become synonymous with chicken finger pitas for whatever reason because he used to have them after every podcast. They sound I awesome. I
8: can't wait to have one if I ever.
3: <laughs> you know, you, you work long and hard on a podcast, and you just deserve a little treat. There you go. Um, so,
1: I, I sense that you're suggesting that that Kayvon Thibodeau is is to me as Malik Wilson is to Ryan, which is not far well, off. Jeremy, I think right well, now Jeremy, that's where I'm leaning. You are an almost as. I apologize,
8: I'm an interrupter. But you are <laughs> almost right. as as good as Brad and Dan in conceding your in conceding. So, I'm that, just giving respect.
1: You know, you're you're not wrong. I'm also a, a hedger and a fence sitter, so uh, yeah. Um, I so since I'm, I feel like if I if I were compare Kayvon Thibodeau to a food item in terms of my preference level, it would be like be like an egg roll. I, I like to think of things an appetizer since I'm mozzarella sticks hater guy. Egg rolls are good. They can be kind of so-so. They're they're potentially options better, but I'm gonna be pretty happy with an egg roll. So that, that that's my food comparison, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, Eric, do you, do you want to get into that, or would you rather talk about the other question? Yeah, I I, I don't I'm not sure how to answer that. I'm, gonna be, answer, uh, Eric. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, i to be
2: honest. I well I thought about that because but then I was like, wait a minute, did I is, it, is that just on my mind because of yesterday? Uh, because that's what the meal I had yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, for me you'd want to, it'd have to be a meal that's not flashy, but hearty and like sustainable. And like, it's that it's, that's going to do the job. You know what I mean? Like a peanut butter and jelly. No, I don't. <laughs> it's got to be more flashy than that. I mean, maybe a bananas on that or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I've completely lost what Dan's well, question so, was. So his first um,
3: question was about Mina Kimes, right. <laughs> talking about how, Looking at the Lions roster, there aren't a ton of holes, which I'm not sure that we can agree with.
2: Well, I – okay, yeah. Um, The strategy that they've taken, I think, is put put their roster in a state where they could go into the season right now and play with the people that they have. Right, and I think maybe that's what. I'm again. I didn't hear her say it, so I'm not sure exactly like the context uh, if that's what she was referring to. But like right now, the, the Lions could play with the roster they have. It's not much different than the roster uh, that they had last season with a couple of extra, um, you know, this is Chark, like Chark, essentially, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean Chark, and then what, Chris Board, um, like yeah, Mike Hughes. I mean, his first round pick, former first round pick, um, but. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, when you look at the roster, you could say there's not a lot of holes that would prevent them from playing right now. But yes, there are long-term holes. Yes, there are um, positions that need to be upgraded. And, and and that's, you know, how they're approaching the draft is to, you know, upgrade the talent at, at a variety of different spots. But I mean, look, they purposely built this roster this way so that they could play with this roster if they needed to. And, and and when you take that approach, every player that you get via the draft or after the draft, it's a bonus way to upgrade.
1: Yeah, and kind of the other half of that question seemed to be about the the Rams 2021 draft and how it was maybe not as good without Brad Holmes. I'm looking at it and I don't know. It feels a little hard to judge they didn't have a first round pick, obviously. Tutu Atwell was a second round pick. Ernest Jones, a linebacker, was was a second round pick. He played fine. Played 15 games, seven starts, two interceptions. I don't know. I think it's too early to make any sort of sweeping judgments that the Rams now have this big hole in their in their NFL draft, you know, war room, and and it's affecting them negatively. I I'm I'm, I'm still like I'm I'm all in on Dan Campbell. I'm still very much kind of wait and see on Brad Holmes, but I do think that
2: you can attribute some of the fact that the rams roster was built on depth because of what they did in the draft and you can definitely attribute a lot of that to Holmes as well whether he was the leading voice or whether he was just the organizer and that's hard to parse through right and so yeah it'll yes i agree it's still too to be determined if the rams are missing a piece but i do think their success is a feather in the cap of brad Holmes, and and you're you're hoping to see that same type of success and, and i think so far, uh, from the draft perspective, I think they're headed in the right direction.
1: Sure. All right, Dan. Appreciate Thanks the so much, guys. All the best. All right. Let's go to John S. I know you've been waiting a while. John, how you doing, John? All right. Let's, we're we're going to make this work. Ready? John going once. John going twice. Oh, there I am. Okay.
6: (laughs) More
7: More (laughs) buggers than before, I guess. (laughs) Just want to first say, I just want to say how much I appreciate you guys, how much you're involved in the community. I love this, uh, your formats and stuff. Thank you. My my question goes back to the linebackers. Um, I just want to know if, like, not the specifics, just the generalities. Are we looking for a linebacker that maybe fits – more into more coverage like a better coverage person or a better downhill person like a downhill person i think like chanel or a more coverage basis like maybe the the anderson or something like which if you had your choice where do you think our biggest need is between those two things you know you want the best you're gonna look for one that's good in both but (laughs) right um,
1: if you had to pick a priority between the two which one like chanel
7: seems really good downhill okay in coverage whereas someone like Moom. Moomar's on maybe he's better in coverage and not as good downhill or something.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting because if you look at some of the quotes that Dan Campbell said between last year and this year, they're, they're a little bit in contrast to each other. Cause I know one quote that, that Eric really likes to hang on from last year is we don't care if he weighs, you know, 220 pounds, as long as he can fly, we want him. He's part of what we're trying to do. And, and even if you go back to last year, uh, Chris Spielman even said like, we're trying to get a lot faster uh, at, at linebacker. And, um, I think that would maybe play a little bit more. T- I mean, it, it plays to both, right? Like if you, if you're in coverage, you have to be fast and agile. If you want to play downhill and, and sideline to sideline, you, you also need to be pretty fast, but you know, he, Dan Campbell, I think it was at the combine specifically said this year, like, we need to get a little bit bigger up front so that we can let these guys fly. We let these guys run downhill. So I guess my, my, my first inclination would be they're they're probably trying to, bulk up on their run defense a little bit this year. And and so they they want guys that can run downhill and 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 plug gaps and things like that. But but you're right, like obviously coverage is important too, but run defense was so bad last year and we know Dan Campbell has a little bit of that old school in him that that run stop the run first. So that that's where my mind is going. I'm, I'm curious to what you what you two guys say.
2: Yeah, when you look at the guys that they've added mm-hmm. um there's only one that's over 240 pounds, and right. that's Jared Davis, the guy they just re-added. Um, who we've seen Jared Davis before. He is just rocked up pure muscle. You know what I mean? So like, uh, he's he's a legit 245. But the rest of the guys pre Jared Davis, they they're all under 240 pounds. And so I don't think we need to get too caught up on you know, like their size. And I know that's a big issue for a lot of a lot of people, like just in general, and that, you yeah. know, linebackers need size. But like when you these are guys that they re-added or, you know, this coaching staff in front office have specifically targeted and added. They they're looking for guys that just I think are faster than opposed to being like bigger. So if you look at what they've done you know, recently I don't think you need to go after these big kind of hulking guys like, like a Chanel, like look, it, Chanel is 250, right? And he would be, I mean, if Matt Patricia was still here, he would be drooling over Chanel because Chanel's got good speed and good size. Uh, but, but like uh, John said, he, he's an excellent run stuffer where he gets off blocks, but I'm not sure, you know, how much his range is beyond that. Right. Like um, he so if you're, if you want a guy who can come in and just come downhill, uh, then Chanel's going to be in that, in that conversation, big or not, it, it's not going to matter to them. But I also think that they want guys that can just avoid blocks in general. Like well, Dean, Dean, uh, I'm sorry, right? Let me just finish this last point. Sure. Uh, Dean is a guy who everyone says, Oh, he can't get off blocks. Okay. Look, he takes angles. And he gets low and understands how to leverage under people so frequently that like it does not matter what his size is if you if you can get past the block well there's no block to get off of you know what I mean so like and that's what a lot of the speed guys do is they're hitting the gap before the people can react and then that often is a is a big advantage as well so there's a lot of variety I guess I don't want to I don't want to limit us sorry I cut you off right.
3: No, you're fine. I I wanted you to kind of maybe expand on this a little bit, Eric, but like it's that idea that the Lions are moving from moving from more 3-4 looks to more 4-3 looks, and I think mm-hmm. that that lends itself better to, okay, we're going to let the defensive line yes. try to gap, and then we're going to let our linebackers flow to the you know, flow to the hole, make the play, they don't have to get off blocks. They don't have to, you know, they, they, yeah. they can, we, we can focus on, and I think that's why Derek Barnes was somebody that they that they coveted, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's a guy who has a lot of sideline-to-sideline side speed. Maybe this better fits the system for him.
2: It's a lot of why I like all the Georgia defenders. Right? It's why yeah. I have Trayvon Walker so high. It's why I like N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, uh, even Tyndall. right? All three of those Georgia guys That's the scheme that they were in. It was let the defensive line kind of occupy some guys and then just absolutely fly to the ball. And when you look at the top linebackers in this class, almost all of them can fly to the ball. The only one of the top like eight guys, um, maybe even like top 12 guys, top 12 linebackers that ran – um, slower than four six was Muma, and if you watch him play, he's faster than that. He plays much faster than four six three, and so like the speed is in this class, and and, and that's another reason why I, I believe that they would be wise to invest in one of these players early because the 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 it translates to what they're looking for, and it, it's that fills that long term need.
1: All right, John. Appreciate the question there. Uh, hey, thanks we... a lot. I was
7: looking, looking for exactly that that thing because I had uh, I had Dean and Asamoah. I always felt they were maybe too small for the NFL, but they were so high in the rankings. That's what, but that's good. Thanks. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, no problem. Appreciate the question, and I think that's something that's been on a lot of uh, people's mind, especially this week. Uh, so let's take one more question before we head to our next break. Um, man, I swear, green room is throwing these in random orders. So, Louis, I think Luis has been waiting a while. Luis.
9: Hey guys, you can hear me yep uh i'll keep it short and sweet just so a couple other people can get in um but basically i was thinking back to last year like pretty big shock when uh, mcneil went right after uh levi did i don't think anybody was really expecting a back-to-back uh defensive tackle pick um it would it be surprising this year if we maybe see that at 32 and 34 with safety uh I know Dax Hill; he can kind of play the uh, the nickel cornerback role, but also the safety role. And then a guy like Lewis Cene, he's he's a little bit more in the box, but he has the athleticism to kind of play high. So I don't know if that would really uh, encompass what the defense can kind of can do and stuff, right? Where um, maybe we have three safeties on the field at one time, and then if we go to nickel, you know, Dax Hill takes the nickel cornerback spot. So these guys could realistically see every snap on defense, and I don't think it would be as crazy as maybe it would seem. And I don't know if people would react well to that right away, but um, just kind of wanted to see your thoughts on that and uh, if you could see that shaking out, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my first impression is that would be a lot less surprising than I think them going into defender twice last, last year, because I think we went in thinking it wasn't, D, DT wasn't that big of a need. Safety, I, I think anyone would argue that it's, it's a top two need, and it might not be two um so i don't think it would be all that surprising uh what what do you guys think
2: it would be a little surprising to me just because of the fact that when your safeties are on the field you expect them to play almost every snap but whereas when you have a defensive tackle on the field they play about half and i think you can afford to double dip at a position that's rotational like the defensive line as opposed to with safety um I do agree that safety is a big need and I think they would be wise to invest one of their top 100 picks in a safety. And I think the value is there, but, um, if you, if they did do this, I think you're, you're right in the fact that it would have to be a Dax Hill type of player. That is the other complementary piece. Um, and, but here's the deal. I, I think this staff likes Will Harris more than everyone else in the entire world. And, uh, outside of, uh, because uh, he's what was the defensive coordinator's name that was uh, his position coach right or his defensive coordinator in college at boston college I, who was the lines i'm blanking on his name pascaloni pascaloni thank you pascaloni must loved will harris but other than that um the coaches in the nfl seem to like him a lot more and so i i, I don't think we can just discount the fact that he's not going to have some sort of role and maybe it'd be a slightly reduced role. I think it's going to be a more matchup based role, but I I think this staff is saying, okay, we want to go three, but Will Harris is one of those three. So that's why it would be surprising to me, not necessarily, you know, like, you know, if you got the right two guys, I just think they they really like Will Harris um, more than, than everyone else. So I don't know if anyone else disagrees with that.
1: Well, how, Will Harris says what? Is this his last year? Yeah, it's concert, his, or it's or his last year. So
2: you could argue that, um, you know, you're trying to find a Will Harris replacement, but are you spending pick 34 on first? What essentially might be in this staff's mind, the fourth safety on your roster. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what I'm not so sure about that. If they would spend pick 34 on a safety four. you know, um, so it would be just a little bit surprising to me to see them go, like, safety, safety. Um, you'd have to think, like, your cornerback situation isn't as strong as it looks, or, like, these guys aren't going to come back from, um, you know, maybe Akuta's for not as far along as he looks, or maybe Jerry Jacobs isn't as far along as he looks. And if those guys aren't going to be ready, then, yeah, maybe you do go defensive back twice. Um, but it, it would surprise me a bit.
1: Well, I kind of want to dovetail this into another question that I feel like isn't really being asked, and it's are you guys comfortable with where they're at at nickel corner right now? Because obviously A.J. Parker played well enough last year, but I would think they are looking to upgrade. And not saying A.J. Parker can't develop into potentially a a good enough starting nickel, but, I mean, you bring in – God, what's his name? I'm sorry. Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes. He, he's capable of it, but he played better on the outside last year. So I, I guess that – I think that needs to be part of the conversation is just how con- confident are you that the Lions have a, a capable nickel corner not only this year but for the future.
2: Right, and, and I guess that's where I think Will Harris could come into the equation sure. as well because right. Will Harris had to play nickel. He had to play outside.
1: And Dan, Dan was asked about that this week, and he called him a a kafety. A, a uh, uh, a mix between a corner and a right. safety there you he go would, he really didn't commit between corner and safety so uh yeah, that, I, I that's think, a good point to bring into i think technically it's called free nickel or something like that but yeah. um not a safety
2: but <laughs> but well, that's, that's dan, what he said yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah. dan campbell for you um, Exactly. but yeah no i look i think will harris is a potential matchup piece. So like it, it, my vision of this defense is that you have, when you have three safeties, you need three safeties that, that are capable of playing. You need one that can play one half of the split zone, one that can play the other half of the split zone, and then you need a, a position versatile safety. And I think that Will Harris fills that role. Tracy fills one in your, but you have a very obvious hole at the other. Um, I think Will Harris is why they didn't go after PJ Williams, you know what I mean? Because he's sure. essentially I think what they're trying to yeah. turn uh Will Harris into. And I so he,
1: I think they used that exact comparison the coaching staff did. Oh, okay. At well, one there point. You go. Yeah. There you go. Well, you heard it here first, local Lions blogger says Will Harris is a matchup nightmare for offenses. <laughs> yes, run it. <laughs> It, look all right yeah yeah you Go he,
2: no, he's gonna that's i think that's that's the role i, I, I take off nightmare and uh publish
1: <laughs> fair enough uh thanks for your question Luis. uh we are going to take our second break here uh when we come back finishing your lions questions here on the spotify greener map sunday saturday morning chat here on spotify greener And we are back here answering your lines, questions, mailbag time. Uh, we, we tried to get Nathan in last segment. Uh, he, he was having some technical technology troubles, but he did send in his question via text said, who are some of the targets in the middle of the first round? If they could trade back and get two first round picks cough, saints first two <laughs> two first round picks. Uh, okay. So that's a good question. And, I was jokingly saying this on Twitter this week. Like I kind of wish they would make that trade just so that we could have a new conversation about the NFL draft. So let's say the Lions trade down in those, uh, those late teens Uh, who's who's someone that the Lions could target that that makes a lot of sense. Ryan, you want to take this one first?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, And and I would like to take it in a a different direction afterwards real quick, if we could, but yeah, if the Lions could figure out uh, a way to, if they could find a dance partner and they could move back, I think I think you know we mentioned some names earlier. Like, I'm 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 really sold on the linebacker on, on on the Lions taking a linebacker, you know, as you know as, as late as you know 32 or 34. So I mean, if the Lions were able to move back, like Devin Lloyd would be an incredible addition. Um, if the Lions were to able to move back into the teens, I think at that position in the draft too, I think you're starting to talk about having your maybe not pick of the litter, but like you're going to have an opportunity to get a really good wide receiver. And I, I, you know, you talk about the wide receiver room and and having some players beyond, you know, 2023, but they can definitely upgrade those positions. Right. So, um, you know, maybe if the lions have an opportunity to, you know, take somebody like uh, Drake London or, you know, maybe get an Ohio state wide receiver, whether or not that's Chris Olave or, or Garrett Wilson, um, the lions are able to move back. But I, I, I think, those positions seem to be a sweet spot for the teens. Like maybe getting the top linebacker on your board or one of the top wide receivers.
2: Yeah. Or or offensive tackle. Stop it. I'm I'm just kidding. Just kidding. kidding. Um, No, I agree with you. Um, Jamison Williams, the Alabama, I would love, I I would love him in the, in the
1: teens there. That would be phenomenal. I'm surprised by how far Jamison Williams fell in our community mock draft. He went, what he go? He went to the
3: Cardinals, I think.
2: Yeah. in the 20, 24, 23.
3: Yeah. Um, not a bad, not a bad replacement for Christian Kirk. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. also, that's also a
1: spoiler alert for our live audience. I don't think that pick has been revealed yet, but <laughs> <laughs> it comes out today. It comes yeah. Out there today. you go. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if the Lions could get him, I'd be, I'd be thrilled. Um, is there any other positions you consider? Like I know there, there's been some like fringe talk about adding a corner. I'm kind of of the belief. I know we, we were just talking about corner, but, the Lions have so many unknowns in that locker room that I feel like they need to figure out what they have before they go out spending first round capital on it. But like, let's say Derek Stingley is there in at 15 and that, I, I don't know if he's actually going to be there, but is that something you consider
2: or Trent McDuffie? I mean, they're bringing them in. They brought Stingley in for a top 30 visit for a reason. Right. And it yeah. has to be if they trade back, because I don't think they're expecting him to fall to 32.
3: Right. Right. So, Same I, thing with uh sauce Gardner.
2: Right. Well, I think Sauce is probably a guy Top if they ten? trade back a little bit. Yeah, if they yeah. trade back to, you know, into like that four or five spots, you know, six spot or whatever, right? I think that's that's something where I think sauce is probably a little bit in the mix. But yeah, um geez. Could they go defensive tackle and get one of the Georgia guys? I mean like that would be <laughs> that would be crazy, but I would I would be here for that.
1: Yeah. Um I mean, um It it feels it, like not that long ago we were talking about Jordan Davis at thirty two. Which is yeah. now a, a pipe dream, I would yeah. say. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know, like sixteen. I I, know. I, I
2: I agree with Ryan that the sweet spot for linebacker and receiver is right in that middle for for the Lions. But yeah, you could argue Dax Hill. You could argue uh, defensive tackle. Maybe even an, you know, like an edge at that spot. A couple of guys slide to the right spots. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot of options that they could plug in and play. Uh, if they were to make a trade, like, with the Saints.
3: He, real quick, here's the seed I wanted to plant, though. We all know how aggressive Brad Holmes almost was last <laughs> mm-hmm. draft, right? Like, yeah. we all know that he was really interested in, in moving up to get Levi on Zurique. Mm-hmm. right? Um, he eventually did trade, you know, future draft capital to move up and grab Derek Barnes. I'm wondering whether or not the Lions maybe package 32 and 34 and move up if there's a guy they really want. I'm just saying that I think that there might be a distinct possibility of that happening.
1: It, I mean, it, it depends on how, how Brad Holmes kind of interprets that, that moment last year. Right. Right. Because it, it, he, 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 said after the fact that like, he, he credited John Dorsey, right. Of being like, Hey, yeah, just relax. Like wait for it to come to you. And, and it did. So, I mean, if he, if he learns from that experience and says, okay, maybe I should be a little more patient, patient, I would say maybe, maybe that isn't going to happen in this draft. But, I mean, the fact that the feeling was even there, I think, it, is, a, is a point worth point, you know, making. Like, maybe there is a guy that they fall in love with, and they certainly have the draft capital to go up and get an, a, another, like, mid-round first, first-round right.
3: talent. And, and, and maybe it's not 32 and 34. Maybe it's, like, 32 and 66 or, you know, some, some, some combination of the, the the back end of the top uh 100 picks that the lions have but i you know the lions have nine picks i am i don't think it's a bold take uh and, and you know how bold my predictions are jeremy but like <laughs> i don't i don't think it's it's bold to think that the lions are going to not walk out of the draft with nine players
1: i sure hope not as someone that has to cover the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Pack, you package all of your three round six picks and and get into the fourth round that's what i say it's probably not going to be enough but do it anyways no, it probably.
2: I mean, my when I suggested moving into the fourth to get um, to get uh, Demon Clark, is mm-hmm. I said you just basically take the same deal that you used to go get Derek Barnes, and you offer a fourth rounder next year, a fifth rounder this year, and then hopefully you're going to get in return a fourth and um, you know a well, seventh, seventh whatever, is what yeah. they got in return. Yeah, so like. Yeah, I mean, if you want to move into the fourth, maybe you – instead of giving up next year's fourth, maybe you give up a fifth and two-six or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, Personally, I think if they are going to trade, trading up isn't out of the realm of possibility, but I also think that they would be willing to trade back and try and acquire picks – Next year, not even this year. Like if they traded from like 34 to 45 and then picked up a, a another day two pick next year, I think they would take that in a heartbeat, right? Because they, um, I, 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 I really, it really feels to me like they're in a spot where the way they've approached the roster, the way they've added all these guys, um, they don't necessarily need all nine, you know, they don't need nine picks this year to, they can push some of that capital into the future, because
1: maybe next year they might need it, you know, to go, go up and get, get a line. quarterback. Uh, you know, whoever. I mean, one of the, I know we're, we're way off the original question here, but I feel like one theory that has gained a lot of traction this week is trading down from 32. You know, for, if, if there is a quarterback there, I think, I think most of us here agree that quarterback at 32 doesn't make a ton of sense for the Lions. And, and a lot of what they're saying seems to suggest maybe they, they are going to punt the decision on quarterback a, a year down the road. But if there is a quarterback hungry team and there's still, I don't know, a, a, a team willing to, to take a risk on a guy like Desmond Ritter, if he's still there at 32 to jump up there, get the fifth year option, which everyone, I don't know, is the fifth year option really that much more important to like, I feel like if you have a franchise quarterback, the fifth year option doesn't matter. Cause they're going to get an extension before there, but I don't know. It's a point that people seem to be really pushing. Um, so maybe that's an opportunity for lines to trade down, pick up an extra you know, high second next year yeah. or first and whatever.
3: I, I think it depends on who your team is, right? Like, you know, I, I think most recently, you know, the the Ravens moving up and getting Lamar Jackson at 32 seems to be the poster child for this kind of discussion. But, you know, Lamar was somebody that, you know, the Ravens were willing to, you know, they didn't have everything figured out in the quarterback position, but maybe that fifth year option comes into play because you have somebody who, you know, you could potentially, you know, stash Lamar behind for a year and, 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 you know, you have that added security. But, um, yeah, I, I think with the way that the talk around Desmond Ritter has gone, it seems like he's a lot higher on maybe other draft boards than, than I think a lot of us are assuming. Like, there's a lot of talk of, don't be surprised if Desmond Ritter goes earlier in the first round than a lot of people are anticipating. So if he's available at 32, I think you might get a quarterback hungry team that would be willing to trade up.
2: Side note on Ritter, don't I wouldn't be surprised if he went to one of the Saint the Saints with one of those two picks. That would that's
1: kind of a I mean, just gut gut feeling on that. Okay, I like it. I like it throwing it out there. Uh, all right, let's get back to our, our line here. Uh, we still got a bunch of people. I'm sorry we're not going to get to every one of you, but I'm going to try to just eyeball who's who's been waiting here for a while. Uh, Joshua, Joshua has been waiting for a while. Josh, how you doing, man? You there, Josh, Mister Mercer. Oh, you, now you're doxing people.
3: <laughs> Joshua going once. Joshua going twice.
1: Oh man, I
3: it. we we
1: were doing so good last know. week. I don't I don't know what happened this week. Uh, if, if you got a question, Josh, uh, you can throw it in, in the chat or, or try to rejoin as, as a speaker. Let's move on to, uh, Mathis. I know Mathis has been waiting there. How you doing Mathis? Hello guys. How you doing bud?
7: Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, my question, um, I guess has to do with more offense. I feel, I'm not sure. I might've missed, I might've, I did miss a little bit. I'm sorry for that, but, um, just, we we have there's questions with the wide receivers and this and the tight ends. Um, I guess the tight ends kind of frighten me a little bit more just because um, T.J. Hawkinson can be a little bit injury prone, and then we have really no no one I trust behind him. Um, so I was just wondering where you guys think we're, we can we could pick up um, some guys for the for our wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, in the draft and and what should we expect from that position?
1: Um, great question. And, and I think, I think a lot of us have kind of been not as loud, but, you know, just like poking people to remind that the tight end is, is definitely a, a need because you you nailed it. There, there is no proven tight end beyond TJ Hawkinson. And, and yeah, you have to kind of start questioning whether you can trust him to be healthy for 17 games. So uh, I'll throw it to, to Ryan first. How, how early, would you be looking at tight end in the draft um, for this, this year's class specifically?
3: Yeah. I I think you get in the discussion of like 34, maybe being a little bit too high. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I agree with what Mathis is saying. Like the lions don't have a tight end on their roster beyond Hawkinson that can do the things that Hawkinson can do. Right. I mean, the, the lions go out and get Griffin, but he seems like he's a special teams guy and he's more of a blocker than a pass catcher. And Lions don't really have that pass catching option, but at 34, if Trey McBride is there, maybe, like maybe. I, I don't know if I if I would be crazy about pulling the trigger just because of the discussion we've had about safeties and wide receivers and things like that. But I, I think 66 is a legit, legit spot to be zeroing in on a tight end. And I don't think it's that crazy to think about the Lions maybe getting a Jeremy Rucker or if he lasts this long, it's, it, I mean, 66 would probably be a, a little bit of a fall if you would agree, Eric, for Greg Dolchich from UCLA. But I, I don't know. Like how how do, how do you feel about the tight end class? Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's Trey McBride.
2: Who's your most balanced option. Uh, I think 34 is too early. 66 might be a little bit too late. The rest of the guys though, um, are that you mentioned like Ruckert, Dolchich, even Kate Otten. Those are third round guys. Um, maybe Lakey. Lonnie Woods, uh, I like Lonnie Woods a lot. He's in that third, fourth range. Uh, he'll probably go a little higher cause he's such a freak, right. athlete. And he, and he used to be a blocker and then he turned into a pass catcher. And so he's got kind of both skill sets in there. Um, he might end up being, you know, he m- will probably be there at 66, not at 97, maybe, you know, that type of thing. Um, I think likely is a guy that they had on their radar, I don't know if they would take him at, at 97 after um I don't know he he's his game is different than his like than what he showed measurably right mm-hmm. um but what he what he did at um the pro day and the combine they, there were some red flags that were raised um so yeah I think likely might be in the conversation it really depends what they're looking for traditionally a tight end two is going to be have some blocking capabilities, and with this class, there's a lot of tight end F's, which is essentially your slot pass catching tight ends, and you only have a handful of those guys that are really good blockers. Um, McBride, Rucker, as we mentioned so far, Woods has that in his skill set. Charlie Kolar from Iowa State is a guy the Lions have done some work on. I think he could be a really sneaky option for them. Um, maybe that he ends up. Um, you know tempting them at 97 or something like that uh he's i think he's a guy not enough people are talking about and then bellinger was the guy yeah. who was uh at the senior bowl with them who started yeah. for them like remember bellinger they had bellinger uh likely Dolchik on their uh senior bowl roster and bellinger was the guy they started you know so and he's got that he can be the Y he can be the, he can be a, an H back. He can block, right? Like, so, and you can probably get him in the fifth, you know, it's very right. possible you get him in the fifth. And if that
3: athletically, he tested really well too, right?
2: Yeah, he did. He did better than, than I think he was expected right. to because he's gets that I'm a blocker label. Um, so yeah, Ballinger's a guy who really interests me. Um that might be the end of it, though. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, there's a lot of other guys, though, where it kind of falls off the board. Um, uh,
3: go ahead. I, I, I was gonna say, I think maybe short answer to Mathis' question: 34 would be surprising, right? Yeah. 66 would be. I, I get it. Like, 66 seems to be that that range or that territory where it's like, okay, like, like that makes not sense. The conversation. Yeah, I think that's fair.
1: Um, I know wide receiver was also a question uh, in there, and I think we can all just agree that, like, you you can't be too – two is too early, but anything else is not too early for a wide receiver. And pretty much anyone outside of, you know, a Y, I think, is on the table, right? And maybe maybe even a Y if if they want to put Alonro out to the Z. Yeah. um,
2: I Just because of, like, how – you know, when we look back to what we talked about earlier about how they have very glaring holes – uh at, at safety and linebacker and um especially long term and then the edge rushers are real popular at the top if they end up going like safety linebacker edge or something along those lines and they uh, then when they get to that third round you could i could see them going safety tight end if they if they felt like the everything lined up for them and you can get a guy like Alex Pierce who could be an x for you down the road but you don't necessarily have to start him now you can develop it into that into that role but he also has some capabilities to play the z so you could also try and have him challenge with um josh reynolds on the outside but he has like i said that that long-term potential um he had some really kind of freaky testing numbers like his his 10 yard split was like nuts and he's he's not a small guy either he's a big six three two eleven guy so um if Pierce is there and most people kind of think he's going to be there in the third round, I think he fits that role that they're looking for.
1: Um, and it, and you can get him at the right spot. And I think he has a bright future. He was a guy that that Greg Cosell, I, I think I had mentioned on our other podcast, put me onto. And and anytime Greg Cosell stands for somebody, I pay attention.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would take him at 66 and not even blink. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's where I'm <clears> at with him. Um, and this was before he tested, right? Yeah. And now that he – when he put up the numbers that he did, uh, it, it, it's quite startling that, um, you know, I, he, I, 66 would be great if he could get up there.
1: All right. Uh, I think we have time for maybe one more. Is that okay, Eric? Or do we need to get yeah, out of here? Go. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry to, to everyone we're not going to pick here, but we'll go with most, – mostly because I'm just curious. Um, someone named The Jobu. <laughs> the jobu are you there hello hello hey how's it going good how you guys doing good good
9: um so yeah i I just have a question about uh you know uh, wide receivers again um i feel like everybody has
3: been mocking us a a slot receiver and um
4: I, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of math myself, and I, I, I really worry about missing out on Christian Watson or any of the other ex-receivers that could fall to
3: 32, 34. Um, I guess m- my question to you guys is, you know, with Brad Holmes' draft history of a wide receiver, do you guys see him possibly skipping out on one at 32, 34 and waiting until the 66 pick? Or is this something that, like... You know, if, if somebody falls, if the right player falls, they're going to jump on at 32,
1: 34. Uh, it's a good question, and I, I think my answer would be: I wouldn't be surprised to see them skip wide receiver altogether. I don't. I'm not saying they they don't need one. I'm not saying um, that they they don't value the wide receivers in this class. I just feel like that one they they have a workable unit this year, and they don't need to push it. And Christian Watson, I feel like, is, is everyone's favorite player, which makes me think I'm not sure he's even going to be there at 32. Um, maybe that would be a surprise, but there's also a lot of wide receiver-hungry teams that have multiple picks now in that first round. Um, but, it, you know, I was, I was listening to your, your podcast the other day, Eric, and, and you made up a, a, a great point, I thought, which is those X receivers, those are the ones that come off the board first because everyone is looking for that guy with number one wide receiver potential. And and so having that tall, speedy guy that they can do a lot of things is is something that you, you don't want to wait to get in the third or fourth round. So if that's what the Lions are looking for, maybe they target them at 32 or 34. But if they're not there, if their guy is not there, I wouldn't be surprised to see them just kick this one down the road and see what, you know, if DJ Chark can have a good year as the X receiver, give him an extension and then suddenly you're looking at maybe at a different position to need.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the top guys that are going in the first round, most of them are capable of playing the X. And then when you look at like 34, you're talking about guys like Christian Watson or, or George Pickens. Um, both of those guys make sense. Watson has, he's not as polished as, and I, I know everybody is in love with him as fans. Right. Um. My, I, I've, I've heard from a few people that like, he might not be, uh, he might not be a guy that teams are as high on uh, because he's yeah. not as polished right yeah. so i think that could take him out of the first round now would that lack of polish um you know how how much are you willing to to invest in that like i think he's he's a team like a team like the lions could invest in him at 34 um in while other teams might look at him and say i wouldn't touch him until the third round or something like that sure. you know what i mean but you, when you're banking on that upside and you're looking for a specific position like an X I, he makes some sense to me but but if you get if you pass on those two guys that's why we were just talking about Alex Pierce right yeah. Pierce is a guy that I think has X potential down the road and you could probably get him at 66 and that's uh, I, it makes a lot of sense when you look at Brad Holmes history that you know that would be a guy that they would look for now if you if Pierce is off the board the X room just it clears out after that i mean you're talking about taking guys that have big question marks like justin ross who's coming off uh spinal surgery i had broke his neck a a year ago or whatever right in 2020 and so like he's an x and he has potential but he didn't test well at all he doesn't look quite like the player that he was prior to that injury and so um I, i don't know how much you trust that he's going to turn back into that player uh, and then after that, yeah, it's it's Z's and slot guys that fill up the the you know the the rest of the that third, fourth, fifth round range with talent. And so, could I see them taking a slot in the third round? I no, I don't. And that's because you would have to. It would essentially bump Saint Brown off of his role. And I think they like him as that slot movable piece. And if you and you have Khalif Raymond who I right. think is going to be more a more natural slot two type of guy behind him, where if you do move St. Brown, you can have Raymond in that slot. So I I don't know if they would invest a third rounder in a guy that, you know, where the path isn't as clear to the field. So now could they take a guy on day three in the slot? Well, absolutely, right? But I it just seems like taking a slot receiver in the third round, uh, it would surprise me.
1: Uh, Ryan, any any wide receivers that, that maybe you could see the Lions draft at any point in this draft that, that we haven't mentioned that, that you kind of got your extra eye on? Go Lions.
3: Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, Eric brought up Wandell Robinson earlier, and I think that he would be an interesting name maybe in the third round, even though he fits that slot receiver role. Eric, you can see him maybe being a Z, right? Like you can see him being the, the, Absolutely. the, the kind of field stretcher and, and maybe – you know, do some, some things out of the backfield too. But, you know, I, I, I don't think that you can have too many of those guys, but I, too, I, I also agree with your point that, you know, the Lions got a good one and I'm on Ross, Brown. So why, why make that a, a priority? So. Uh, Wandale reminds me a bit of how he's used
2: kind of like how Rondale Moore was used. Yeah. And when the Cardinals took Rondale Moore, they pushed him on the outside because Kirk was on the inside, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't play as well. He didn't, he didn't play as well in his first year because he was kind of playing out of position. And I, I, while you could put Wandale on the outside, I wonder if you would see something similar, where he wouldn't be as productive in, in that type of role, Um, and you would need to try and get him inside a little bit more. Uh, kind of like what I think is doing uh, with, with Rondale this year.
1: Mhm. all right well i think that covers it <laughs> pretty much the entire wide receiver class there uh thanks for the question the jabu uh and and thank you for all the questions today uh we will be back next week only got uh, a couple of these left before the the draft comes um but yeah again if you want to join us 10:30 a.m eastern saturday mornings here on the spotify greener app. make sure you're following at pride of detroit uh and until next time for eric for ryan i'm jeremy it's chaos be kind
0: Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.
5: Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features,